she's so ugly. And I'm like, Samantha, where did this accent come from? And you're like, she don't know me. That's the porch sit voice. When I sit on the porch, I talk like this. Cold today. Yep. Gonna be cold tomorrow. <laughs> and then you take a big, long, like, sip of your beer. I imagine I had lemonade and a shotgun and an old hound dog. Oh, yeah. That's my idea of a porch. Yeah. But anyways, Hello. And welcome to another very special episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Randawa, and with me is my lovely co-host, Samantha Hughes. It's me! Woo! Yeah! Woohoo! Cheering for yourself? Yes. How are you, Indy? Well, I'm pretty good, just avoiding those salt mines for the time being. How about you, Samantha? I'm good. I woke up this morning and my eyes wouldn't open, so now that I can see is a great deal of improvement oh good and we should let you all know out there we're doing something very special today because samantha is podcasting from the year 2019 <laughs> and i myself i'm in 2024 or as we call it now zero one. Zero one. yeah we reset didn't you know about the no what the robot revolution hasn't happened for you guys yet no oh so you just have like a human body yes and a regular house and a regular car. Car? Yeah. Like, you tell the machine what to do? Yeah. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> it's so crazy. Oh. Oh, and some other stuff happens in 2020 I was supposed to mention to you, but you know what? It'll come up later. <laughs> I myself uh, work in tandem with the robots after the revolution, so I do not have to toil in their salt mines. Rather, I've gotten my brain put into a uh, robotic version of myself. It's good in some ways, bad in others. I can't taste food anymore, but I do have chainsaw hands. And your shoulder doesn't hurt. Oh, it does. Oddly enough, it still does. Oh, weird. Yeah. But now it's a chainsaw shoulder. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of neat. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Am I there? Well, the other day I was uh, walking down the street and a robo-bus hit someone who looked exactly like you. But you know what? I'm sure you're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, but there's one you thing you fine. could worry about. Um, I left my pen. It's a pen I really like. It's a pink gel pen. I left it on the couch. If you could find that and uh, send it to me in the future here. That'd be great. Do you have some kind of way for me to send things to you in the future? Well, you just had to put it somewhere that wouldn't get touched for the next few years. Oh, I think leaving it in the couch is the best place. Oh, couches don't exist anymore. Oh. Come on. That's sad. Robots have no need for couches. Couches are my favorite. Yeah, well, robots have no need for uh, you either, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> or unless you're um, toiling in the salt mines. This is terrifying. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, it's not so bad. <laughs> okay. Chainsaw hands. Chainsaw hands. Well, Samantha, what are we here now and then to do? What? <laughs> <laughs> I think that sentence actually may have made sense, but just not really. Yeah. Uh, we're you were then, and I am now. Yes. And we are here for which reason? <laughs> That's even worse. But you know what I mean. Is that how the robots talk? Well, it's all binary. Mm. Okay. So uh, we are here to speak about the Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock movie, The Lake House. Oh, I got excited and watched The Lighthouse again. Oh, we've already done an episode I think Willem Dafoe was amazing. <laughs> and what did you think of the magic time-traveling mailbox? 
that was maybe the best part. Oh, The Lake House? Yep. Oh, okay. So The Lake House is a movie that you had seen as a teenager, young adult. 2006, I would have been like 18, yeah. And then we watched it again together, which you kind of had forgotten about. Yeah. I had seen it that one time with you. And it's funny because we talked about it a little last episode, how you had forgotten that we had watched it. Yeah. In fact, we've actually talked about us watching it twice on this (laughs) podcast. And it's especially funny because it was one of the movies that made us do this podcast. Right. uh, Because you had never watched a movie for the sake of enjoying how bad it was. Right. And that was a new concept to you. Yes. So maybe I'll ask you first. Um, I don't know if you ever loved this movie, but do you love it now? And is it an earnest love or is it something different? I love how terrible it is. Yeah. And, and that's something kind of new for you. Yeah. It's definitely something that I've started being more familiar with since we started doing the podcast. I think it's... It's something that I've come around to. I don't know if I love this as much as burlesque. I think for a good, bad movie, burlesque is more fun because it doesn't like lag as much because at least there's crazy things going right. on to look at always. While The Lake House is just as bad, but perhaps in different ways because mm. this is more like nonsensical. Yeah. But it does get fun. It's not just a frustrating movie. I think no, it is fun. Bad. There are some moments that are pretty fun. Um, but it, yeah, this movie, I have like more notes than I've ever taken for a movie and I don't think that they make any sense. No. And we were saying as well that if you were to read the chronology of this movie, the point by point of things that happen, it actually makes it make less sense than making more things more clear. Yeah. That's basically what my notes are, are like scenes in the movie that I've just made a note about and then there's some comments about scenes in the movie but it's just like you couldn't tell that this is one movie no (laughs) like it looks like I'm flipping through the channels on a television and being like oh that dog's wearing a red collar next oh they kissed in the rain next oh they're on an airplane (laughs) it's just like it's so random and it makes no sense that um i suggested watching 20 minutes of the movie and then podcasting for 10 minutes and then going back and watching another 20 minutes of the movie because it's just so all over the place and we did rewatch most of the movie Mm -hmm. right before doing this so i think we kind of know what's going on i have no idea what's going on we know what happened in the movie but i don't think the filmmakers knew what was going on Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into it. How uh, does this fantastic Speed 3 reunion film start out? The Lake House is a magical place that has a hidden attic and is on stilts, like all structurally sound houses. Yeah, they they make a point of going into the attic a bunch, but they also make a point of showing this all-glass lake house, which does not have an attic anywhere. It has, like, a glass ceiling. How do you have an attic in something that has, like, a dome for a ceiling? Magic? Yeah. Which sounds like a, a joke, but I think that might be the actual answer. So maybe... We thought that was just bad filmmaking. Perhaps the house itself is also magical, not just the mailbox. There's also no bathroom in that house. Oh, yeah. Huh. Anyway, I think magic is going to be our fallback a lot this episode because... 
Well, let's go through the plot, and then okay. I do have some theories rather than trying to poke holes in this movie because that's kind of what I do a lot. <laughs> I'm going to try to make sense of it and say, like, no, it does make sense. Right. And here's how. But then I think we just need to, like, set up a basic understanding before we get into the plot. Okay. That time travel, you either have to kind of go with a replacement theory or a divergent dimension theory. So meaning that um, if you ate my banana yesterday, today I have no banana. Right. My present, your future, you have replaced my present by choosing to do something else. Right. But then I wouldn't have knowledge of that banana. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with you. Or you can get into a divergent dimension theory, which is um, infinite universes, every choice you make. If you wake up at 9 o'clock... There's one universe that you live that life. If you wake up at 10 o'clock, there's one universe where you live that life. And there's they're infinitely branching because every possible choice makes a different universe. Right. I'm not going to subscribe to either one of those for this quite yet, but we should just kind of set that up and then we can talk about normal things for a while. Or as normal as they are in this. <laughs> this is not a normal movie. Um, okay, so we start... The first scene is Sandra Bullock at the lake house with her dog. And she's just, like, wandering around. She's forlorn, perhaps. Yeah. And uh, so they they go and the dog runs around and she's putting something in the mailbox and talking to someone who's going to live in the house after her, basically. And it turns out that Keanu Reeves is the one who reads the letter and he's very confused buy some of the pieces of it. Because nobody was living in this house and she's saying, dear next tenant and yeah. that kind of stuff. So he's like, who is this tenant? Somebody squatting in my house. You must have the wrong house. And yes. also, you have the wrong year. <laughs> because she dated it with the year. And she was very strange about it because she's like, later in a letter she's like it's 2006 just so you know ask anyone it's been 2006 all year like she's very like weirdly defensive about it even though they've never mentioned time before she just like snaps at him um so we start to see their lives kind of outside of the lake house so we see um Sandra Bullock is a doctor and she's working at a hospital she's just starting in Chicago. In Chicago. Keanu Reeves has a girlfriend who's... No. Wait, do you think they're together? Yeah. I no think way. Uh, okay, maybe they're not like boyfriend and girlfriend, but I think that she is trying very hard to be his girlfriend. True. He yeah. has no, no interest yeah, in her none. at all. Yeah. Okay. So I think that it's like a girlfriend situation because she's trying very hard to like slot herself into that role. She wants to be, but he's not having any of it. Yes. So she's bothering him at the construction site with her spinach pie. And in a very bizarre yeah. scene, she's chasing him up a hill in her heels and he just won't stop to yeah. say like, hi, even. He's like, no, I got things to do. I am a architect, question mark. He seems like he's a construction foreman. He does because he's out there in his like helmet 
ordering people around. And every day he's like in the dirt with the guys, yeah. which doesn't seem like what most architects do. Aren't architects in like offices and for then the they, most part, they they'll hand visit over the, the sites, sure. and just make sure every like they oversee. Yeah, they're the design part. In a lot of builds, I believe the architect is no longer involved once it starts Don't you, building. Like, buy the plans, basically? Yeah. yeah, but I don't know why he would have, like, a hard hat and, like, a plaid shirt with work Because he's an everyday and, like, guy. Yeah, it doesn't make a he lot of sense. He drives an old pickup. He's Keanu. He is Keanu. Um, There's also a lot of architects in romantic or romantic comedy films. Oh, really? So many guys are architects. Always guys. It's like a really desirable male lead job. I guess so. And I think it's also something that not many people have a lot of familiarity with. Right. So when they talk their architecture jargon in this, people can just be like, oh, yeah, yeah. And who knows? They may be able to just, like, take off of work for three hours in the middle of the day to, yeah. you know, do a romantic scene. I don't know much about architects, but I actually love architecture and I read a lot of architecture yeah, books. So I can tell you, I think about 50% of what they say, architecturally speaking, is uh, coherent. Huh. Interesting. So it's not bad. Oh, okay. Uh, so we find out that Keanu Reeves comes from a long line of architects. Yep. <laughs> his dad is an architect. His brother? Is that his brother? Yes. Yeah. So his brother is an architect, and they're um, just a big family of architects. Apparently, that's a job you pass down through the generations. <laughs> And then when they're speaking to each other, they talk about their jobs. And also, they admit, like, hey, this is time travel. We're two years apart. Yes. Very early on in the movie. Yeah. And there isn't any, like, what? Nobody, like, I feel like that's something that you would admit. And then immediately, like, someone would get freaked out about it and maybe stop writing for a bit. And I'm going to do something seemingly unlike me. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with it. Okay. When they're like, oh, this mailbox transports things two years into the past or future. And the fact that they're just like, oh, okay. Cool. I don't mind that because everyone is kind of like that. He tells his brother and his brother kind of makes fun of him a little. Not because of the time travel, but like because it's a girl that he's talking to. Yeah. It's like, oh, how's your past girl? How's that going? Or future girl? Future girl. She's, she's a future in girl. 2006. Yeah. yeah. And same with the mom. Her mom is very accepting about this uh, past man. Yeah. She's just like, well, it's a man, so you and should lock like, that down. we're two years apart. And she's like, it's like details. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? The space-time <laughs> continuum is details to her. Yeah. And she's like, it's that's small. Small in the grand scheme of you finding a man and living happily ever after. But overall, I don't have a problem with mailbox is time travel because that's a conceit they put in the movie and i feel like if i can suspend the disbelief of people singing in a musical or superheroes in an avengers movie i can go along with this as long as they set up their rules and adhere to those rules right so that's where i have a problem with this because it makes no sense no even in the sense of time traveling mailboxes it makes no sense right and because, like, to jump ahead, they have, like, full-on what would be, like, text conversations. Yeah, they prompt each other. Yeah. Like, if I was saying, well, this one time. And I'd be like, what time? Tell me about this. 
Well, I guess it all started when, and it's like a back and forth one yeah. word at a time, but we'll get into how the mailbox works. But I guess what I'm saying is I don't know how magic mailboxes work. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with all that stuff, but I do know how letters work, yeah. and I do know how cause and effect works. Yes, and so how that's where I have an issue. Location works because he, they'd have to drive out of town every single time they were sending one single thought. Yes, and that bothers. She me. must have been just driving all day long, yeah. every day, and she's saying she works like 26 hour shifts at one point. Yeah, because she's a doctor. You know how they could have solved all of this? Hmm. Set the movie at Christmas time, right? In the opening scene, an old man with a white beard and the dog come up and they leave a little present in the mailbox and then the mailbox sparkles. Then it's it's Christmas magic and it's not time travel and we can just be like, sure, yeah, this makes sense. Christmas magic, whatever. Yeah. But and they don't do that. maybe she has some Christmas holidays or something because it doesn't make any sense that she's like going along in her life and only sending like four words per letter. So, yeah, in this movie, you kind of have to take the time travel as, like, okay, well, it's time travel. So and they all on. accept it, so we yeah. can just move on. Everyone's fine with it. Nobody's like, what is going on? And, like, magic or witchcraft or, like, something really shocking. They're just like, oh, okay, so I can talk to somebody through a magic mailbox. I've literally seen letters appear in it. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then when they're telling each other about themselves, I love when she says... I'm a doctor dedicated to healing the sick. Yeah. And he's like, I'm an architect. I build things. The dialogue, if you want to call it dialogue, but it's all voiceover essentially, is is very bad. Yeah. It's very poorly written. It is. It sounds real dumb. It is. And some of the like words they use to describe themselves just make like... Oh, the descriptions of people? Nobody talks like that. Oh, Samantha, you would say that with your unguarded eyes. <laughs> He looked at me soulfully. <laughs> and then very early on, she's like, here, I'll prove that I'm in the future. Um, you're going to get a big snowstorm today because my dog hated it two years ago when that happened. Dogs in two places. Yeah. One time. We'll get back to that, though. And like, you're going to get sick. And she uh, sends him a scarf because yeah. like everyone got sick this year. But although he's already in the 10 minutes of this movie said, I don't get sick twice. Yeah. So what's going to happen? Uh, maybe my favorite scene of the whole movie where he gets the scarf. So you can send scarves through it. Yes, you can Not send books, items. Certain books. Certain books. Not mass-produced paperbacks. No. But artsy books you can send. Artsy books you and can send. And scarves. But yeah, mass-produced paperbacks are not able to go through the mailbox. So she says, it's going to snow. And he's like, no, it'll never snow. And I never get sick. And then he gets out his scarf and magic snow appears and then we get this kung fu zoom and into keanu's face and he's like yeah. what and, and then so he does the best sneeze in cinematic history it's the most aggressive overacted sneeze i've ever seen and i love it it's like a sneeze from an archie comic strip yeah when he says because he literally says hachoo <laughs> yeah it's pretty good so this doctor believes that cold weather instantly gives you a cold which is not how medicine works at no. all but then she turns out to be right so yeah. it's fine yeah it's magic then we get the reveal that they both have the same dog right so the dog can time travel yes does the dog go in the mailbox i think not but 
I don't think the dog fits in the mailbox, but the to- the dog can exist outside of time. I, th- I, yeah, I think that dog is like the original occupant of the lake house and just refuses to leave. Like the dog is like, no, this is my house. How would you describe this dog? I think he's... She's. She's. Sometimes. Sometimes she, sometimes he. Uh, scruffy. Would you say like white? White. You would tell the color and the size if I asked you to describe a dog. Yeah. But they say, what's your dog look like? And she says, she has sad eyes and sleeps like a person. And then he's like, yep, same dog. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, look at this blondish white dog with kind of scraggly fur and long legs. 70 pounds, curly white fur. And then the person would be like, oh, yeah, same dog. Yeah. Not sad eyes and sleeps like a person. That's also, just... the dog does not sleep like a person. No. That's not what people sleep like. Do you sleep on your back with your arms straight in the air? Well, and the dog was clearly like playing because she like had her eyes open and was looking at them. The dog, Jack. But I guess now we can finish up what you were saying about how they communicate. They communicate line by line. Yes. As they walk around in the world. Yeah. I get that for cinematic purposes, you can't have them writing letters and show her driving to the mailbox each time. Right. But she is, in fact, doing that. And they, in fact, are writing letters. We see the letters. Yes. Sometimes they're reading them. Sometimes they're writing them. Sometimes they're just speaking to that person as if they were writing the letter. Yeah. So that's like a little movie thing. But you do have to keep in mind that she's driving, what, like four or five hour round trip each time to write one word? Even if what it do was you mean? like 45 minutes outside of the city, that's a crazy drive to do like yeah. three times a day. At least one point she leaves her job to go write it. Yeah. So I wonder that time we get to see it, but she must be doing that all the time. She must be because it, it like the only way that the mailbox is set up to transfer these letters through time is if you're physically at the mailbox and putting the letter inside of it. So we see them passing the note back and forth when they're having that sequence where the the flag keeps going up when they'd reply back and forth. So they can reply back and forth quickly, but you have to be at the mailbox, which means that she couldn't be having that conversation with him at the, ho- or at the hotel, at the hospital. Although one room of the hospital does look like a hotel. Yes, it does. <laughs> but like it, it's physically impossible for them to be having like a quick little conversation like that she should have just taken the mailbox with her (gasps) oh that would have been good that would have made a lot more sense just wear it like a backpack all the time (laughs) so it's a mailbox so they are getting mail do you Mm -hmm. think she's getting all of his bills oh i don't know what if she gets like a bunch of playboys from the past and like oh wait a minute oh yeah (laughs) like inappropriate videos and magazines Keanu watches a lot of porn. Living alone in that house. He has no TV. And he refuses to date that girl. Yeah, because he has his magazines. What else does he need? Or he's getting her packages from the future. Oh. He's like, iPhone? What the hell? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Or like, Blackberry? Why does this have so many buttons? Like, you could have solved it by just not making it the mailbox. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they have a notepad. That when you close it and you open it, you can see what the other person wrote. Like a journal or something. That could come with them. And there's like two identical, but it's the same one, but exists in two times. Right. That would make sense. 
as much sense as this and it yeah. just make it easier because she wouldn't have to drive everywhere constantly and we'll talk about later how that really yeah. comes up no wonder she doesn't have a successful relationship she just drives to this house every spare second that she has i think she must be a terrible doctor yeah she's constantly thinking about like okay well it's 3 a.m now and i get off in four hours and then i'll whip over to the mailbox and then i'll sleep and then i'll come back to the hospital and maybe i can get out on my lunch break and go back to the mailbox yeah, she must entire life is plan it all around that. Going to the mailbox. So one thing that happens uh, at the beginning of the movie is um, there's a car crash right in front of where Sandra Bullock's sitting with her mom. And it's February. February and- 14th. Yes. Valentine's Day. That's on February 14th, 2006. Today? February 14th, 2006. They say it a lot. And that's today. Yep. Valentine's Day. That's basically multiple conversations that are had in this movie. Just everyone's shocked that it's Valentine's Day. And because they introduced the idea of time travel and everyone's accepting of it so quickly, we see somebody get hit by the bus and it's clearly Keanu Reeves. Yeah. That Do you think they play it for a surprise or we're all supposed to know that? I think we're all supposed to either have like an idea that it's him or... Because I don't think it's going to be, like, a, a big reveal at the end. Is it supposed to be, like, no, shocking? I think they must assume we all know. Yeah. And then the reveal is that they're able to change it. That's the switch. Right. Rather than the fact. Although I think, I don't know, so maybe I'm giving it too much credit. And maybe they do think people are going to be surprised. Because at the end, before the switch, they do have a big part of the movie where... She goes, oh, no, it was you. Oh, my goodness. And then they have to stop it. So maybe it is supposed to be a surprise to us. Maybe. It wasn't. It wasn't. No, it looks like Keanu Reeves. And, like, it just, it's pretty obvious that something went wrong later in the movie. So let's talk about this a little. And we're kind of having to jump forth in time because this movie takes place in two timelines. And the timelines are so all over the place that it's like really hard to do this linearly. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Linearly. (laughs) So at this point for Sandra Bullock, she's met Keanu Reeves and made out with him. Right. Had like a pretty probably important conversation for her with this man for, I don't know, an hour or something, and made out with him. Yes. Then he dies in her arms. Her words. Yeah. And she never is like, hey, this is that guy I made out with. Yeah. What the fuck? I know his name and everything. He was pretty cool. We made out a lot. Yeah. I assume that his face is all smashed up. Oh, maybe. That's the only way to get around it. Yeah, if his face is smashed, maybe he gets hit by like a bus. Yeah, but I think if you get hit by a bus, like, unless you take the bus right to the face, it's probably hitting you, like, flat on in the chest mostly, you'd think. I don't know. I assume your nose just explodes. I don't know if that's right. (laughs) It all depends on how you are standing. Yes. But I think if you're crossing the street and it hits you from the side, which it kind of seems like is the case here, I don't think it's smashing your face that much. I think you just explode. Yeah. <laughs> I that's how I'm choosing to make her, you know, realistically not be able to recognize him. His face exploded. All right, his face probably exploded. Okay, great. Glad we figured that out. 
like there's a lot of fun bad stuff like this like i don't mind this part being bad because that makes it kind of fun and silly yeah and yeah it's not a good movie Mm-mm. but what makes it enjoyable bad is there's so many scenes where like why would that person do that why are they saying that yeah that's annoying that is annoying and the like rules of time travel got me a little bit here or the lack thereof the lack thereof the the lack of respect for the rules of time travel because they're like these are the rules this is how you access it they spend like 20 minutes of the movie showing you how the mailbox works and then they're like oh but we're also just gonna have like one sentence conversations and we're never gonna go to the mailbox again until the last part of the movie where it's a big plot point yeah anyway i'm over it Whoever's living there when Sandra Bullock's back and forth must be like, there's this crazy woman She's always in front always of my house in there. my mail. I, that's a federal offense, mail tempering. True. Very true. So in the timeline in the movie then, uh, they go on this romantic walk together where Keanu Reeves sends her a map with all of these spots and they somehow have a conversation, another conversation. While she is walking around the city. Yeah. And in the other times we can say, oh, that's just a cinematic device. She's actually writing and stuff. But the walk is a plot point and she's talking about the things as she sees them and interacting with him. Yeah. So that one is just like a... Yeah. Just can't be. And he does graffiti in 2004 and it's still uncovered and like legible in 2006 and it's over a bunch of paper posters yeah so those paper posters haven't gone anywhere and nobody's put more posters above them exactly so like magic graffiti yeah i think we can just say that uh if we want to try to reconcile this what keanu and jack and sandra do somehow exists outside Mm -hmm. of this space-time continuum whoa whoa man yeah uh so yeah they have this like date day walking around the city and somehow they're still communicating which whatever it's fine um then sandra bullock is playing chess with her dog yeah her dog can play chess yeah which is like kind of cute i i think that's a very fun part of the movie yeah chess dogs chess dogs Sandra Bullock's talking about how she misses the trees outside her house when she moved into the city. So Keanu Reeves steals a tree from his construction site and plants it right in front of where her building's going to be. Yeah, which is also a construction site. Because it's not built yet. So, and then in the next two years, nothing happened to it. Nobody took it down even though they're building at that location you'd think they would do something to it but that's not the most remarkable part (laughs) it's that she is walking home drops her stuff in the rain and is all sad she's getting rained on and a giant tree just appears next to her yeah and that is one where there's no reconciling yeah with any sort of time travel rules because if he planted it two years ago it should have been there all the time it wouldn't just appear and also, it's grown way more than two years. That's like it. a 10-year-old tree. That, like, big and bushy like that. Do you think if someone was standing there, it would have just, like, appeared and impaled them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing she wasn't, like, six feet over Really, on the sidewalk. she should have felt a shockwave from it because all of that air has now been displaced instantaneously. Right. Maybe she should have been, like, blown to the side or something. Probably. It is a storm, though. Like, remember, it's, like, pouring rain, so... Maybe she just thought that was what that was. 
So this is the part of the movie where they start to kind of fall in love. Yeah, but like in any romantic comedy, they don't actually do anything or share anything that would make them fall in love. They just are not near each other, but they they write to each other so that they're in love. Yeah. So Keanu Reeves tries to see Sandra Bullock in the past. So she tells him where she was at a certain time in 2004. And he goes and he sees her. Oh, to get the book to back. To get the book back. Yeah, fucking Sandra Bullock is like, hey, you have to wait two years to see me and do all this stuff. But you know what you could do? You can do some errands for me while you're back there. <laughs> My dad gave me this book and she makes it sound like like a family heirloom. But it's just a mass-produced paperback of Persuasion. Yeah, like Jane Austen that you would read in, like, grade 10. It's like a six ninety nine airport book you can pick up. Yeah, so that's... I'd be annoyed if someone was like, this family heirloom that my dad gave me, and then it was just any copy of Persuasion that you could buy pretty much anywhere. And then also, she remembered the date that she forgot it. Yeah. But she did not remember the guy who picked it up and ran after her and they made eye contact? Yeah. Who then also got hit by a car in front of her. Oh, and they made out. And they made out at a party shortly after. This is dumb. (laughs) And she says, like, oh, I was having such a bad hair year then, which is the best her hair looks in this entire movie because it looks terrible. And Sandra Bullock's, like, beautiful. No, she's gorgeous. But she has, like, a mullet throughout the movie. Except for in the flashback scenes when... When they make a point of saying it's bad. But she has, like, shoulder-length brown wavy hair with, like, actual bangs that look... Like, she looks pretty good. She has unguarded eyes. (laughs) I think the line is like, how do you know it was me? And then she sa- he says, brown hair, unguarded eyes. Yeah. And she interrupts him. Yeah. Interrupts him in a letter and says, okay, 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 that's me. <laughs> like, she hears that all the time. Everyone's telling her like, oh, oh hey, you have so those real unguarded eyes, huh? Yeah. And oh. she's like, yeah, I get it all the time. Love how unguarded your eyes are. So then this book, I think we kind of had to jump up a little bit mm-hmm. because books can go through the mailbox. Yes. We'll see an architecture book go through there. Scarves can go through a mailbox. Mm-hmm. He writes her saying, one day, somehow, I'll get this book back to you. Just stick it in the mailbox. Put it in the fucking mailbox. You were at the mailbox. You are writing a letter saying, I'll get this back to you somehow, and putting it in a mailbox, yeah. and it magically goes to her. Exactly. But he doesn't think of that. What he does do is break into her home while it's being built, I assume? Mm-hmm tear up the floorboards and hide the book in there yeah why would he think like ah, oh, one day she's gonna be angry at her boyfriend because he doesn't like her ingrid bergman movie and stomp <laughs> over here and then she'll hear this one floorboard squeak and then she'll lift it up and then she'll find the book that's ridiculous <laughs> that is ridiculous did you ever see the movie serendipity yes but i don't remember it so it's kind of has a premise like that but that movie is jokey it's a romantic comedy oh so she writes her number in a book and says like i'm gonna sell this book to a used bookstore if it was meant to be you'll find my number and we'll get together right and that's like a fun premise yeah that's fun it's silly but you suspend your disbelief because it's a silly movie and it's a romantic Mm -hmm. comedy this part it's way more implausible that she would find it but there's no comedy in this movie no 
this movie either needed to be less serious like serendipity or more serious and be like norwegian wood or like um a walk to remember yeah you had to go one way or the other and it's kind of meandering in the middle Mm -hmm. and which is one of the reasons why it's one of the many reasons that's not really (laughs) successful no it's not keanu reeves's dog runs away and he meets sandra bullock's boyfriend morgan yes and they're on and off again a lot and it really complicates things because it's hard to remember where they are yes if they're broken up if they've like gotten together yet if they've lived together yet if they are just dating because it seems like at one point he's just visits her when he's in the city yeah i think that's after they've broken up but he's trying to get back together with her and eventually he's successful and they do live in some apartment together Mm -hmm. and then they get the lake house i'm i'm unclear on a lot of this me too Um, that's what makes this movie so confusing is because there's like so many on again, off again things happening that it's just. And you can change the past and the present and the future. Yes. So none of it really makes a lot of sense. But, um, Keanu helps Morgan Price walk beer into the house and then he he forgets about his not girlfriend who is chasing after who is currently running as well and he's like oh hey and like strikes up a conversation and then morgan price invites them to his girlfriend kate's birthday party it's funny how many times morgan comments comments on her boots and like oh hey there like they're supposed to be flirting i think yeah but it goes nowhere and it's not a a thing anywhere yes it's a very strange interaction um because keanu gets sandra bullock kind of by herself in the yard and he's like have you read persuasion and then she gets upset and being and is like why would you ask me that? Why would you even bring that up? And like, it's very strange the way she reacts. Especially in a movie when so many people say things out of nowhere that they have no business knowing anything about. Yeah. That happens constantly in this movie, but then that one is the is the issue. Yeah, it's just like, how dare you? Because Keanu knows who she is. Yeah. She doesn't know who Keanu is, and it's her birthday party. Mm-hmm. And she seems upset. Yeah. Like the entire party. But then there's also a part in this where she tells him a story and she quickly drops all of that and is like, oh, let me tell you about like my dead father and and my first true love. And she's saying like, oh, and I did this and I moved to San Francisco and I was going to be a singer. I had a great voice. Yeah. And then 20-ish seconds later... He goes like, oh, do you like to sing? You should sing this. And she's like, I don't sing. I would never sing. I don't know if that's a joke or the writer forgot that they just wrote a bit about her being a singer. Yeah. And then, like, they get over the, like, well, I can't sing. And they start dancing in the yard. Yeah. And then they kiss. And Morgan and Keanu Reeves' sort of girlfriend see. And no one reacts the way that you would react if you saw, like, your significant other at a party, you'd thrown them kissing someone else. Yeah, except Keanu, like, wipes his mouth, <laughs> which I thought was very funny because he was, like, so wet. <laughs> he had to wipe it off and be like, oh, whoops. And then the girlfriend's like, it's time to go. It's late. And then Sandra Bullock's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll come inside now. Yeah, and two years in the future or one hour ago in this movie yeah she says like what it was nothing nothing even happened but they were full on making out yeah but it like clearly meant something to her 
There's a point in the movie where she's at the hospital because she is a doctor sometimes, at least. Yeah. And there's like this ch- sassy child who's watching uh, Notorious, like this old Hitchcock movie. Uh-huh. And Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman are making out. And she's like, oh, why is she going to go with him? She should wait for something better. And remember in, I think it was Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, when I'm like, there's always a sick kid, but they're like precocious and wise beyond their years. Yes. That that kid is just in this movie as well. Yeah. And they're always the one who like snaps the main character into realizing their kind of destiny. Yeah. It was a like 30 second scene and they got like four or five tropes in there. Yeah. Well done. Also from, I think from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2, the archaeologist in that is a doctor in this. Yeah. She's great. She is great. She shouldn't be in this movie. And I remember watching Traveling Pants 2 and saying that that woman's like acting for a proper movie and then she has this garbage around her. Yes. Yeah, she is very good. And there's a there's a scene where Sandra Bullock is telling her about Keanu Reeves and how she's writing him. And, like, the doctor, the older doctor doesn't say, like, well, he's in the future. Like, you guys can't be together. She's like, well, maybe somehow, some way, you'll find a way to be together. Like, everyone seems to think that this is, like, totally plausible and doable as a relationship. Yeah, nobody seems to mind the no. time travel. It seems like in this world, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, my, my cousin has a future girlfriend. Cool. Yeah. The equivalent of saying, like, you know what? I'm gay. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we're getting used to that nowadays. It's not shocking. Yeah. So people in this 2006 are more okay, actually, with yeah. future girlfriends than same-sex marriage. <laughs> well, you know what I hear? It ain't cheating if it's in the future. True. True. I guess that is technically true. It's not cheating if it hasn't happened. Yeah. It's a weird time travel rule. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is all angry because he didn't get to spend more time with Sandra Bullock at the party. And he yells into his phone, what? That's how he answers his phone. Because he's a grump now. Yeah. Because he can't get the girl. And his dad's in a hospital that looks like a hotel room. Oh, yeah. It's a very fancy. It's very fancy. It's like a king-size bed. Yeah. That's crazy. And there's like bookshelves and things. Yeah. And like a fireplace, I assume. Private um, healthcare, man. Private healthcare, yeah. He's a rich architect. 28 people died on the floor below him, though. Why? No beds. Oh, because he, like, pushed all the beds together? And he's the, the richie gets it, and then all right. the pores the just die. All the pores. They grind them up and feed it to the richies. Oh, yikes. Just do it the other way. Um. So Christopher Plummer doesn't make it. Keanu's dead. Keanu's dead. And so... Sandra Bullock ditches her shift to put a note in the mailbox with the book of his, like, retrospective book of his life. Oh, yeah. And that's meant to show him that his father loved him. Yeah. How? Eh. There's a picture in it. Of them together. Yeah. And it doesn't even really seem like Keanu Reeves realizes that that was a picture taken. Like, he, he doesn't ever, like, access that memory. No, but he reads it and goes like, oh, I'm included in this. And the picture, the caption says something like, whatever his name is, and son near such and such home. That's it. It doesn't say like, dedicated to my son, who I always loved. It doesn't say like, oh, and his son is carrying on the family name. It doesn't say anything like that. It just says, that's him. And son at their project. Yeah. 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 And then from that, he takes away like, oh, he did love me. He loved me. 
because he acknowledged my existence once. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Keanu cries very dramatically about his dad. So you mentioned when we were watching it this time that you didn't think Keanu was a good actor in this. I was being kind of sarcastic, yeah. But Or do you think he's good? I think Because I know you... You love Keanu I love Reeves. Keanu Reeves. I really like Keanu Reeves. I think he's very good in many things. It just but seems a little this, over the top here. In this movie as a, as a whole, do you think he's good in this? I think he's fine. I don't think he is. I think he's not good. Oh, okay. I don't think Keanu is great when he plays a romantic lead. Huh. And you'd think like, why not? He's like a dashing guy. He should be good for it. Because most of the time, your romantic lead in a movie is supposed to be a rather normal, down-to-earth guy. Mm -hmm. And I love Keanu, but I wouldn't say that he is great at playing like the everyday guy. Like you don't cast him as like, oh, he's the next door neighbor who shows up to the barbecue. That's not a role for him. (laughs) Everyday people are not roles for Keanu Reeves. I just don't, it's funny to say, like, he doesn't have that range. He doesn't have average range. <laughs> I go back and I actually watched all the Bill and Ted's not too long ago. I think he's hilarious. <laughs> like, as a teenager playing that huge caricature, I think yeah. he's very funny. I think he needs to have, like, a cool trench coat and at least two guns. And then he's fantastic. He's so good in those things. In the action movies, he's great as that surfer caricature. He's very funny, as we saw in Always Be My Maybe. And he's a great blank slate, which right. sounds like an insult, but I think it is an actually like a good uh, talent to have in things like The Matrix. Like he doesn't have a personality in that. No, it's all like facial expressions and body acting. But that. I don't think he has a personality in this either. Like if you told me this guy then goes on to be Neo, I'd be like, yeah, there's nothing that shows me he wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Like this, who is uh, this character? Tell me things about his personality. He's an architect. No, personality. He's a time-traveling mailbox. <laughs> personality. <laughs> he doesn't have personality. Also, Sandra Bullock, what's her personality? She's a doctor. She's kind of a dick sometimes, but then gets over it. And yeah, nice. and has a dog. I think Keanu is uh, weirder than this movie allows for. Hmm. Maybe not weirder. Not He's not average enough. Right. He can't play average. Yeah, and that's not odd. bad. Because like, Brad Pitt can be like your dashing lead male but he can also play like an everyday guy enough to be a romantic lead yeah whereas Keanu Reeves is John Wick yeah he's Neo he's He's Bill or Ted I forget he's Theodore yeah he's Ted he's Keanu Reeves and always be my baby yeah that's Keanu Reeves (laughs) after Sandra Bullock shows him that his dad did love him and he has like a new kind of appreciation. They decide to make a date. Oh, yeah. She says, meet me at this restaurant, which is named uh, Il Mare. Yeah. Which is the movie that this was based yes. on. And so they say like Keanu Reeves goes to the restaurant and he says, two years from tomorrow, I would like a reservation. And then like the next day, Sandra Bullock goes to the restaurant and he never shows up. Yeah, and right then, both of them should have been like, oh, shit, I think you die? Yeah. You know what? I did um, have a guy die in my arms a while ago. You think that might be you? <laughs> That'd be crazy, huh? Also, what are the odds that the, the one guy who dies in her arms is the same guy that she's talking to? Low. The odds are low. Um. So she gets, you know, stood up at the restaurant 
and she then sends him this final letter. But somewhere before that, they have an argument and he makes a joke and he says one of my very favorite lines when after he jokes about something, she says, would you eat a clown for breakfast? (laughs) Because that's a saying that everyone says when someone's trying to be funny, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's during the letter where they decide to make the date. Oh, okay. Where that happens. And they're like kind of joking around with each other. I just really remember the part of, would you have a clown for breakfast? (laughs) And then he says, oh, our first fight. Why don't you write a song about it and sing in San Francisco? (laughs) Both of those uh, two phrases that everyone hears often. All the time. All the time. You're always telling me to go sing it in San Francisco. (laughs) Oh, are you being sarcastic? Would you have a clown for breakfast? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like these are things that we're going to start saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am incorporating both of those into my everyday. So because she stood up that one time and she could make a plan for the next day or like look him up. Mm -hmm. Like this is 2006. It's not 1970. Like she could Google him, right? Or Medical records. She's a doctor. Or what's your phone number? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of ways that they could find each other and she could find out that he, in fact, has died. But she won't even give him a second chance. Mm-hmm. Like this guy's literally willing to wait two years and ends up waiting four. But she couldn't wait like a day or like look into anything. Mm-hmm. So even though she has a fucking magic time traveling mailbox, yeah. she's like, no, I'm done. And they don't talk for about a year. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. But then we eventually get to the point where we're at the beginning of the movie, kind of. It's the time when, or it's um, Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2006. Today? Yeah, February 14th. It's Valentine's Day. 2006. February 14th? Yeah. And so then he remembers, of course, oh, wait a minute. Now I know uh, that I can go and meet her because I know where she's going to be on this day. Because this is the day she saw a man die. I'm reading the letter. Saw a man die this day. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I don't exist in the future. I'm going to go to this location. Seems like a good idea. And she's like, don't. So then she is living with Morgan at this point and wants some architectural work done on their apartment that they share. Right, yes. And she goes to a firm and they're like, huh, you have the same last name as someone I know. Actually, she doesn't even put that together. No. Even though she's going to an architect with the same name as the time traveling architect that she was talking to. (laughs) Magic architect. But eventually she sees the picture of the lake house that he's drawn and says, oh, where is he? How can I meet him? And then the brother says, oh, he's dead. He got hit by a fucking bus. Some doctor was there. Didn't even help him. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> so then she realizes, oh, shit. It was him that died that day. And he's going there to meet me. Although he's only going there to meet me because I saw said I saw someone die. Uh-huh. So if she hadn't written that, he wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. But if he didn't go, she wouldn't have written that. Yeah. That. Through infinity. Yeah. So over it's a time paradox. Yeah. Yeah. One of many, many ones. But then this is where it gets especially silly. Like, I know it's all silly, but it gets more nonsensical here. Mm-hmm. Because then she says, I have to go right now to the mailbox to write that letter so he won't get it on time. But we already see him at the place. Yeah. He's like actively walking to the scene where the person gets hit by the bus while she's writing and telling him the letter. 
So then she writes it, and we see the mailbox thing go down, and then Keanu doesn't cross the street. But she only wrote that because his brother said he had died, and that saves his life. Mm -hmm. But since his life was saved, he wouldn't be dead. The brother wouldn't have said he's dead, and that wouldn't have saved him. Yeah. So then he would have died. So then his brother would have said he was dead. Yeah, this is in the time infinity. traveling. It just doesn't like. Remember last work. episode, you said, "Do you like time travel movies?" And I said, "Oh, I hate time paradoxes." That's <laughs> yeah. all. That's what the movie yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> but it also brings us back to the point of if you made out with someone, wouldn't you recognize them when they died in your arms? Yeah. But maybe his face was smashed in. I think it exploded. So. He does get this letter. He must have gotten it before he left his house. Yeah. Although he's not living there anymore. No. How did he get it? Um. He just happened on that day to go check the mailbox, even though she hasn't written to him in a year? Yeah, I think so. That doesn't make any sense. I think he was going back to check the mailbox because he, you see him a couple times putting letters in like a full mailbox. Yeah. And I think she gets the letters and then writes back. But she hasn't been. Not, no, like she Not gets, New Year, just this one time. Like she went and checked the mailbox because I think she starts to figure it out. No, I th- she only goes that one time because she hasn't talked to him in a year and she's moved on and is living with Morgan. And she makes a point of saying like, this is all done. Right. She only changes her mind after finding out that he's dead and then goes to write one last thing of like, don't come on this day. Right. So somehow, again, doesn't make sense, but he decides to go back to his old house because he's moved out by then. Yeah. Check one last time before he goes to meet her. And then he's like, oh, shit, I got this. I'm going to die that day. Yeah. So I would stay home then. Yeah. If I'm like, oh, I'm going to die on that corner. He goes to the corner and just watches. Yeah. Knowing that he's going to die on that corner Uh and that he already has died on that corner. Yeah. What an idiot. I'd be like, oh, this is the hospital you work at. I'm going to go, like, wait for you at your office. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'm going to take the day off. I'm going to hide for a day because I don't want to get, like, Final Destination here. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Final Destination movies? I have not. But I They're like, surprisingly kind of fun. of them. I, I actually really enjoy them. They're silly. They're like this movie, but with some sort of continuity, but with crazy death scenes in it. Huh. Okay. They're a lot of fun. Check them out. So anyway, she somehow gets him that message and he somehow reads it and somehow gets there but doesn't cross the street. And then she says, just come to the lake house. I'll be there. In two years. So he waits another two years. Yeah. What are we at? Six years now? Four for him that he's been waiting. Right. But why couldn't she have said, like, there's so many other options? Yeah. There's so many other, but again, we're at this point. There's also a bit earlier in the movie when he moves out of the lake house and gives the key to Morgan and says she should live here. Yeah. And just walks away and gives him the house. Yeah. When does she actually go there? That's in the year that we don't see? I think so. I think that's the year that we don't see. And then we see them wanting to build this new house. Wait, if it's the year we don't see... That's when he's writing her mo- messages at the mailbox. So she's living there and, ignoring and the not mailbox. checking the mailbox? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. I don't really understand when she lives at the lake house. Me neither. And maybe that part does check out somewhere, but I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, she says, come to the lake house in two years. He waits two years. 
And for her, it's uh, 30 seconds, and then they make out, and it's real gross. They do a bunch of little hamster kisses. Those are your favorites. It was weird. I did not like their kissing scene. Um, yeah, they, they kissed like two people who'd never kissed before, ever. Yeah, they were just learning. <laughs> I think that's all. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. What did we just talk about? So I have some questions first that I wrote down. Oh, I said, did he just give that guy a house? Which, yes, he gave her, him a house and then he gives it to her. I think he like, he's like, you want to rent it from me? Here's the keys. He and just walks still away. looking for a lake house to rent. Yeah, yeah. but he says for her. Yeah. She wants this house. Yeah. And just gives her keys, walks away. Doesn't tell him the address. Or like how he can forward payment or how much it costs a yeah. month. Did Keanu kill his dad? I don't think so. I think he might have killed his dad. How? So a few hours before he dies, that day at some point, well into the evening, Keanu comes in and says, oh, I snuck this past the nurses. And it's coffee. And so he's not supposed to have coffee. And then he goes, is it decaf? He's like, no. And he's like, oh, nice. So he drinks this giant coffee that he's not supposed to have. And then he dies. Oh. Do you think it was too much for his heart? Because I don't know what's wrong with him, really. It sounds like he had like a heart attack or a stroke or something. And yeah, caffeine and like interesting food is like, you can't have that. So he killed his dad. It sounds like it. Maybe accidentally? Oh, yeah. I don't think... Oh, maybe it was intentional. He did hate his dad. He did. They had a very tense, strained relationship. And he was... He needed some... Wait a minute. It is all making sense now. Because he needed some way to get over his dad to open up that architecture firm with his brother, right? He needed to reconcile something. Right. And we're like, how did that book solve anything? It doesn't say anything. Why is that their turning point for him to see a picture of him with his dad as a child? It didn't, like, sure, that happened. It doesn't mean anything. It's not the picture that made him get over his dad. It's that he took it upon himself to kill him. Murder. Killed his fucking dad. Whoa. That's scary. That's a whole level of this movie that I wasn't expecting to have to think about. Should we get into some more whole levels of this movie that you weren't expecting to think about? Yes, please. So this movie plays with predestination a lot. Because you'd think that they are, in fact, changing their own future. So it should be a movie that is not subscribed to predestination. Meaning predestination, meaning that everything we do in our life is set, whether you want to say it's by God or some sort of cosmic force, it's set. You don't really have free will. Everything you do is already chosen for you. Okay. So in this movie... It seems like this subscribes to predestination because like with the tree, the tree is a step outside of that. Mm -hmm. So they, these three individuals, Keanu, Sandra, and Jack the dog, Mm -hmm. have some sort of supernatural power that they can step out of it. Because if the tree were planted two years ago, it should stay that size and then grow up and always be there for those two years. But since it came outside of it, there was predestined to not be a tree there. So that's why it didn't grow the whole time. It's because Keanu has some sort of godlike power and is outside of time that he was able to put it there and then it just appears. Because in this world, predestination is a thing, but these three are able to step outside of it. Wow. I think, right? Because that would make sense. It's stupid. It's stupid, but it But it makes sense, sense for this movie. Yeah. Do you have any theories about how to solve all of these problems? Um, 
I think your idea of having it be like a magic journal or like a notebook would make all of their like ability to talk make more sense. Oh yeah, that would make it a better movie That's and make what more sense. Gets me is like the lack of sense behind how they actually communicate. Yeah. It's less about the time travel parallels and everything and more about like how do they have these quick little conversations? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But I meant more do you have any theories that could we could put on this movie to make it make sense? No, you're better at theories than I am. <laughs> well, then if I may. So let's ignore Sandra Bullock's whole timeline for the time being. Right. So Keanu Reeves is a very lonely guy. He's an architect. He can't really get along with any woman, even though there's someone who's pursuing him. And then one day, he's hit by a bus. Yes. As he's dying, he sees this woman come try to save him. So in his last few moments of consciousness, maybe it's five seconds, maybe it's just a minute, whatever it is, he lives these four years, and in his mind, he's trying to reconcile his failed life, his wasted life, how he never fell in love, he never made up with his dad, he never built the house and stuff that he wanted to. So in these last minutes of his brain being alive, he creates this whole thing because he sees this woman trying to save him. Yeah. And then says, like, his mind thinks, like, well, how can we attribute more meaning to this? How can this woman save me and change me? Mm-hmm. So in his fantasy, none of this actually happens. It's in the mind of a, of a dying man. He's able to get the house he wants, change it how he wants figure out things with his dad, open up his dream job with his brother, because now he's going to be alive at the end. And he's able to live all because of the things this woman did. Right. And of course, he's already lived his life. So he knows like he can't, his mind knows it can't go back. So it invents this whole time travel thing. And in his mind, right before he dies, he gets what he wants most. He gets this woman who saves his life and he's not dying right now. But... Of course, that's not real, and he does die. Oh, man. Huh. That would definitely work better. I wish the last shot of the movie, we just get to see him, like, bleeding on the street, and then he just goes, he smiles, and then his eyes close. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That would definitely be dramatic in a very different way for this movie to end. That would make a little bit more sense. Okay, I got another one. Oh, God, okay. (laughs) Now they're coming to me. So let's ignore Keanu's life Mm -hmm. for now. So Sandra Bullock is a new doctor. I think it's her first day on the job. Oh. Right? Uh, The day he dies? It's her first day at this hospital. Yeah, being like a full-fledged, because she was doing her residency before. Now she's like a real full full doctor? Attendant? I don't know what it is. Yeah. She's a real doctor now. It's her first day on this job, her dream job. Yeah. She, why would she have this dream job? Because she wants to save people. That's what she believes she was put in the world to do. She even says, I'm a doctor. I save people. What was that stupid line? I cure sick people. Something like that. Or I cure the sick. Yeah, I care for, but anyway, that's, that's what she wants to be. So then she's, it's her first day. Uh You'd think she's achieved everything. Yeah. And then on the way home from work or after work, whatever it is, a man's hit by a bus. Sandra Bullock is like, I can save him. I'm a doctor. I can do anything. I'd finally achieved my dreams. So she goes and she tries to save him, but she can't. 
this guy dies, right? Mm -hmm. And for a doctor, we even see in the movie, she's broken up about it. Yeah. And she's like an ER doctor, isn't she? Uh, She's an internal medicine doctor. Okay. But I know it's got to be hard for anyone to see someone die, but you'd think that it wouldn't affect her that much. Mm -hmm. But either way, maybe this is one of the first times she's lost someone. Maybe. So it hits her hard. And she's losing faith in herself as a person or as a doctor. So she starts making up this whole story in her mind. Because So after we see her dealing with the death and taking it hard, we see that in the movie. Mm -hmm. Everything after that, she's an institution thinking about all of this. To try to uh, make some sort of sense into how she couldn't save this person and how her whole life has been leading up to saving people. And then when it count really matters, she mm-hmm. couldn't do it. So she's so broken up that she creates this whole backstory for this guy. She becomes obsessed. And in her mind, she's like, well, how could I have saved him? And she doesn't get do-overs, right? So she creates this whole time travel thing. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, she's able to effectively save this Keanu Reeves, who she never meets. It was just a guy on the street that died in front of her. But the rest of the movie is just her trying to, her brain trying to help itself, saying like, no, you could save him. You're not worthless. You can save someone. Yeah. You like that one? I like that one too, actually. Or he's an actual ghost and he's haunting her. I like that, too. <laughs> that probably doesn't hold up as well. No, I think the other ones are better. Or what about, like, that whole missing year? The guy is dead. Mm-hmm. But in that missing year we don't see, it's her becoming so obsessed with him that she finds out all about his life. She hires the brother. She buys the father's books. She even starts renting and living in his house. Yeah. But he's dead. She's just, like, so obsessed after She's this. She's trying to, like... She's trying to bring him back to life through all of these actions. And she's trying to feel closer to him, even though he's dead. See, then the movie makes sense. He's dead the whole time. Yeah. You gotta sixth sense it. Yeah. Or if he faked his own death. Like, at the beginning, she really did see this guy she thinks die. But he was, like, faking it the whole time. Right. So that's why he's, like, being all elusive this whole time and saying, like, oh, yeah, we can't just meet up. You can't just call. Because he faked his own death. So when they finally go to meet, uh, he's probably going to kill her. <gasps> Murder. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, I think you just wrote like six really good movies. Do you want to know what I think is the real answer? Yes. I think that Jack did it all. Jack? Jack the dog. Oh, like Jack, Jack. murdered everybody? No, no, no. Nobody's oh. dead. Oh. It's, so it's time travel as we see it. But for all of these things to work, because there's so many paradoxes, you have to have some sort of uh, godlike creature outside that can be outside of causality, outside of space and time. And what is God spelled backwards? Jack? (laughs) Dog. It's dog. Yeah. Jack is some sort of god because Jack is a bigger agent of change than the mailbox or the house. Jack um, leads Keanu to Sandra when they're in the same timeline for Uh the party. Jack is in two places at once. True. Even Keanu and Sandra are never in two places at once. No. So he exists outside of everything. He can play chess. Oh, yeah. He's like very... 
I assume he's going to win. Or she. Or, because it is a she, but at some points, even Keanu, after being told it's a girl, Keanu says he. Mm. So does the not-girlfriend. Yeah. Sometimes it's corrected, sometimes not. Because Jack exists beyond sex and time and everything like that, because Jack is, Jack is God. There's one point even when Sandra says, from the future, like, oh, I named him Jack. Named her Jack. Yeah. And then Keanu says, Jack? And Jack pops up. Right. So Jack responds to that name before being given that name. Because it already happened for Jack. It is already happening. Because Jack exists like, um, what are they called? The Termalthadorians. And uh, he, Jack doesn't perceive time like we do. Right. We perceive time linearly. Something happens and then something else happens. To Jack, all things are happening at the same time. And Jack just picks and chooses where Jack goes. Right. As like being in both places in that storm in 2004. Jack is God. God backwards is a Jack. It's true. There's no arguing that. <laughs> so that's what I think is the, the actual answer to solve the problems of the lake house. Mm, Jack agree. is God. Jack is God. And Jack has bestowed some of its godly powers into Keanu and Sandra just because they maybe venture into this retirement home that Jack has created for itself. The answer is Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Jack exists in all places because time is a flat circle, man. Time is always a flat circle. Jack knows. Jack gets it. Jack's on team flat circle with you. <laughs> in the center of this flat circle, Jack. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, Indy, did you love this movie? Is this a love no, it's like a bad movie. Yeah. But for a bad movie, it's one of the more fun ones. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going to watch it for the sake of watching it, it's probably not worth it. But yeah. it's fun to have stupid talks like this. Right? Yeah. What do you think? No, I agree. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Because it's definitely not like the best movie I've ever seen. And I love it so much. And like, oh, it's amazing. It's like the third best movie you've ever seen. <laughs> no. It's uh, it's like fun and kind of trashy, and like if you choose to think really hard about it, you can, like you just did, or you can watch it and have it be lighthearted and just kind of forget about it after. Do any of the emotional beats actually get you in this though, no. or is it too bad that it, it no, like it turns you off from being invested? Definitely didn't like hit me like a you know like a romantic comedy, right? Like. Or like a romantic tragedy. Yeah, like a, like a drama kind of movie. Like usually there's, you know, a big heart swell moment or like a teary moment or whatever. This doesn't... There's one moment that I kind of felt for the characters. And it's when Sandra Bullock, who uh, is better than a lot of the rest of this movie, at least at points, mm-hmm. when she sees the drawing and there's a shot of her looking at it, but she's looking pretty much right into camera and her like eyes well up and she's asking about what happened to him. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yes, that was That's good. That's about it, though. I don't think that there were many of those moments, No. Though. Yeah. Have you ever seen City of Angels? No. Nick Cage and Meg Ryan. Straight romance, like no comedy. He's an angel that she falls in love with. Well, that's far-fetched. <laughs> but, so I saw this, I don't know, when it, when it came out. I was like 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. 
Oh. I was 15, though. Okay. Maybe that's something that you might actually like. I think it might be terrible. Right. When I was 15, I thought, like, this is a good straight-up romance. Yeah. Like, fantasy element, but that has some uh, cohesive plot and uh, character stuff, unlike this one. I was 15, so all of you out there uh, don't hold me to it. But I want to know what other people think. If you've seen City of Angels recently, let me know if it's good. Hmm, okay. And maybe we'll do it on this podcast sometime. Oh, maybe. That would be a fun movie, it seems like. Nicolas Cage is an angel. Yeah. Before he was like real Cage Rage Cage. Right. And Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan is, I adored her in romantic comedies when I was younger and those ones were coming out. Mm-hmm. I think she's very good was i haven't seen anything from her in a long time (laughs) um okay well we will check that one out another time but anyways that's not the point of this so where can people uh, reach out to us if they want to tell us all about the lake house (laughs) the lighthouse uh city of angels our robot overlords i mean uh forget that last one huh yeah don't worry about it okay uh, well, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ILTYS and the number two. You can find Instagram us. Instagram and Twitter. You kids back then. Oh, my God. Okay. You can find us on Facebook at I Love This You Should 2-Podcast. And you can email us your uh, theories and favorite moments in long form at I Love This You Should and the number two at gmail.com. And if you're listening in 2023 like I am... Um, Look up and to the left, and then hit the three switch on your temporal jack. I don't know what that means, but... You will soon enough. Don't worry about it. Okay, we'll see you next week when Indy lets us know what we'll be watching, and uh, we talk about some things that we're really, really, really into. Bye! All hail the robots! Oh, God. This year, 2006. What? Whoa. Um, yeah.